What's good, everybody? Welcome to 99 Miles Per Hour with me, your host, Percy Garner, where we talk about life and sports and everything in between. What's good, everybody? Uh, Welcome to 99 Miles Per Hour with me, your host, Percy Garner. Uh, appreciate you uh, tuning in. Uh, if you're on fa- Facebook or YouTube or anything like that, on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Um, make sure we got to say that every time. Um, and I uh, appreciate a five-star rating and a, uh, I guess, a review on the Apple podcast. And if you do, we will read one. Uh, Josh posted one, so we're not going to read that because that doesn't count. <laughs> but I appreciate everybody's done it so far. We do have a special guest. Um who is from the area. We're back in, uh, you know, the Tuscross County, Carroll County area. And, um, uh, we got a good one, so I can't wait to introduce him, but I do want to make sure you guys check out all the podcasts on the get level pod network. So that would be, you can find them at getlevelpod.com, and you can actually listen to the podcast right from there. Uh, if you don't have a podcast app to yourself, um, but yeah, that was quick and short and sweet. Was that good? That was good. All right. Let's get to <laughs> our uh, guest here. So our guest uh, is a new type of career that we have in here, and I'm really excited because I know nothing. Um, and I always was intrigued by this. Um, so maybe I can learn something. Maybe I'll switch up careers. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, our guest here, you know, has had a long career, and he has a big following on Facebook. And, um, you know, Played a little sports back in the day, and um, but now he's you know definitely uh, making his mark in the um, the reporting world, and a lot of it, I guess, is what a lot of my friends dreamed of. You know, Daniel went to school for this, and then ended up not doing it. But um, you know, maybe we'll see him on ESPN or something someday. But our guest we have in here today is Jordan Miller. And, uh, man, it's a pleasure having you in here. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, I really appreciate you guys having me here, inviting me out earlier this week, and we're able to get things rolling pretty quick. Well, I do have to give props to who brought me to your attention. That is Amanda, Fon- I mean, Amanda Lutz. I always say her maiden name. Sorry, Ken. <laughs> I know you're a husband. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah, Amanda basically put you on my radar, I want to say, maybe a couple months ago, basically when we started this. And, um, you know, I did some research and I was like, this guy is for real. So <laughs> I was like, let's, let's have him on. And, uh, I appreciate you being willing to, and it's kind of short notice. So, um, yeah. we had a little phone interview, so I got to, you know, talk to you and meet you a little bit. Um, but I just basically just like what's going on with you right now, uh, as we speak with work and just family. And it seems like you got a lot of stuff going on. I do. I'm, I'm busy. I'm you know, with my family all the time, which is obviously number one and work comes number two. Uh, but I'm fortunate to be able to do what I love, but still have that family time right now. Nice. Nice. And as I mean, I guess how yours works, because I know you've been in TV and always reporting too, but I mean, how, how's that from home and how has COVID really affected that? It's different. It really is different because instead of being able to just show up some places to talk to people, to, you know, get an interview. Well, now I have to 
rely on technology. And mm. We know technology isn't, it's, it's a great feature, but it isn't always the best feature. Yeah. It's not as sure as standing in front of somebody. Yeah. So uh, I'm not going to lie. It's nice to be able to wake up and put on a suit top and not put on any <laughs> pants though. Uh, but so that makes it nice, but uh, it is challenging, but convenient at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I share a lot of that. Um, those sentiments with you because I mean, basically I'm, I'm outside sales, so I really wasn't in the office much anyways, but, um, you know, being not to be not being able to, you know, interact with people one-to-one and just getting in front of people kind of hurt for a while. And I think, uh, you know, that's been the the effect for a lot of people, but, um, yeah. So about your family, I think I just heard some news you said that you know you're engaged or something yeah yeah i mean i mean i guess the secret's out of the bag no uh we've been together six years and nice. uh so you know covid kind of sped up the engagement process because i had this big elaborate thing planned out for uh, her college graduation but we had to go ahead uh, and do something with a small thing on easter with our family so uh it, it was nice oh okay well covid has helped a lot of people get out of some shells yeah, but it's also put a damper on a lot of things. And, you know, that's something I never even thought about. I know about the, the college students and the high school athletes and all that stuff. It's been hurting. But, you know, you never really think about, you know, the things that those are things, uh, memories you and your wife are going to share forever. And, of course, she is probably just happy that you proposed. But it would have been great to, you know, if especially if you would have shared that with everybody. Oh, yeah. It, uh, it, it's a tough time right now. You know, yeah. she, she just started her first big girl job. She's a teacher. So, oh, okay. And she's a dance coach at a school. So she's right in the thick of it from all types of points. Okay. Dang. Yeah. So I know we got uh, a lot of those here. The dance, uh, I know the dance coach we have here, she's one of my friends. Um, and th- that goes, especially nowadays, because they're doing a lot of the, the dances that, you know, that we see on the, the social media and Fortnite and stuff like that. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I might have to bust out some dance moves on here. Josh, can you dance? He says no. What about you? You dance? No, I, ah. I I don't. I don't take pride in it. I uh, can dance, but not uh, not with okay. rhythm. Okay. Not with the rhythm. <laughs> All that matters if you do it, then you can dance. I mean, <laughs> technically, right? Um, but I, I, you know, I used to dance back in the day, but now. You know, the knees and, you know, I'm getting a little big and that's what brought us to your engagement. That's how mm-hmm. I kind of squeezed that out of you. But, uh, you know, no longer. I think I brought up my weight last episode, so we're not going to talk about that. But let's get into basically, uh, I guess, your, your career and just the path you took uh, to get where you're at, because I'm very curious about that. Um, so you did start. Well, let's start with what made you kind of get into it? Because you said you started as a, a sports editor in, Car- in Carrollton. So what made you kind of get into that? Uh, when I was in high school, you know, I played sports, but I was always into photography as well. So when I wasn't playing a sport and if it was an off season, I would take photos because I, I always loved taking pictures and I always wanted to do stuff with a newspaper. And I was about 19 and the local uh, sports editor retired after about 25 years, I think. Wow. And I was 19. They went through the interview process and ended up hiring me at the end of it. So it was one of those things that I was essentially right out of high school. And I I got my dream job then. Wow. How many people can say that? I mean, yeah, Yeah, no, I I was very fortunate um, and able to still do it in my hometown, which was big. Nice. Yeah. So in your hometown is Carrollton. But explain, I guess, 
growing up and, and where, you know, where you were growing up. Cause I, I know when we talked, uh, you spent some time out of the state of Ohio. So just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, I lived in Lorain, Ohio till I was about five. My parents and I, as well as my grandparents, we all moved to DC for their, uh, works. Uh, we, Bethesda, Maryland is right outside of DC, which I loved it in that area. It was big. It was diverse. It was, it was ever changing. And then the recession hit in uh, 2008, 2009, and I was 12 or 13 and we all moved back to Ohio because the cost of living here is just to- <laughs> totally different than it was living up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we moved here when I was 13 and it was an eye opener because I went from a school that was 45% minority out there to uh-huh. Point oh 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 yeah point point zero five percent uh minority based where I went to school and that point zero five was me and my siblings oh wow so it you know it was real it was real small uh, but it was one of the things you had to make the best of what you had and you know went through some tough tough stuff then but you know we've overcome it nice it's good to hear that and I mean I know we planned on getting into it. And but what we do on this podcast, you know, we don't do stuff in chronological order. So since you brought it up, I kind of want to talk about uh, what's going on right now. What just kind of happened and transpired? What was it a couple of days ago? And pretty much the domino effect that that's had in sports. And I've been listening to a lot of interviews from, you know, obviously LeBron, Doc Rivers. And then I just saw a baseball player from the Mets. Uh, I believe it's Dominic Smith, who I played against kind of growing up in the, going up in the minor leagues. Um, and he was overcome with emotion more than all the other guys I've seen. Have you seen that interview with Dominic? Um, no, I haven't, but I have seen, you know, Doc Rivers. I've seen LeBron's tweet. I've seen uh, Kenny Smith walked off the TNT set yesterday. I missed that. Yeah. He, uh, he walked off and he said, whatever happens, happens. Dang. So, you know, that was big, you know, stuff like that really, you know, it's affecting people no matter your status, your economic status or who you are. It's still something that uh, weighs on you. Yeah. And I know Doc said he's reminded every day about his skin color. And, you know, I don't think he was just talking about going in the mirror and looking at it. It's just the basically his interactions with, you know, other people is basically constantly reminding him. And I know I saw, you know, LeBron even dropped the F-bomb in an interview. That just shows the frustration uh, of these players because, and I think it was, who did I see? I want to say it was either, it was either Malcolm Brogdon, who was front lines protesting uh, in the mist right after um, um, George Floyd. And just to see these players taking responsibility. And he basically, oh no, it was uh, George Hill. George Hill said, you know what, you know, because he was asked, hey, are, we, are you able to even do anything for your communities or anything from Orlando? He goes, no, I don't even know why we came to this place. So, you know, p- players are frustrated. They feel like they were kind of, u- not used, but they feel like they were kind of, you know, used to take their attention off of the, the issues when they were trying to bring, issue, uh, you know, attention to them. So now they're trying to do that with people canceling or boycotting the game. So, Stuff in the NBA is pretty interesting. I mean, did you see that coming or like what, what were your thoughts when you started to see that happen? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, the Jacob Blake shooting there in Wisconsin was different. I mean, it was. We had video and there was a video of him walking away and getting shot seven times in the back in front of his children. Uh, you know, whether he was getting in his car to get something or not, 
you know, personally, I think that maybe they could have tried to stop him prior. And I think that that's why so many people are upset about how things transpired, uh, because you have him who possibly had a weapon and then protests rang out and the athletes, you know, whether it's the NBA, MLB, cause some MLB teams have canceled as well. Uh, they're like, you know what? We're going to take a stand ourselves. Although we don't have fans here, we have people watching. Yeah. And if we don't go out there and play, it's going to get people talking. People are going to wonder why we're not playing. And then when it's told why, why we're going to, why we're not playing, people will then, you know, maybe have their own conversations as to, all right, well, maybe this is deeper because these are people with money. These are celebrities that they feel affected to. Yeah, uh, it's important to realize that. I mean, you know, like you just said minutes ago, you know, economic status, a lot of that stuff does not exclude you. And I, I did talk previously on an episode with me and my one of my uh, good friends, how there is certain situations if people recognize who you are, um, how you are kind of let off the hook. But then still in that moment, that leaves me thinking, you know, well, what if I wasn't a professional athlete or anything like that? I know Stephen A kind of Stephen A Smith brought up something to my expect. First of all, before we talk about what he said, what what's your opinion of Stephen A Smith? Do you look up to him as, you know, being someone who overcame a lot of stuff? A lot of people don't know that he used to, you know, he was not able to read. He was illiterate, couldn't speak well. Now you see him, you never would have guessed any of that. So, I mean, what's your, I guess, take on Stephen A. Smith? I like Stephen A. He is um, very loud. Uh, so that that could be overwhelming sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. So yeah. if I was in his shoes, I'd tell him to calm down the loudness a little bit. Um, but he, he does a great job with what he does, despite what he's overcome. You know, yeah. he, he lost a son, or not a son, a brother um, in a vehicle accident, you know, when they uh-huh. were younger. Uh, so he has overcome a lot of adverse adversity, his education, he's gotten to where he is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he started out just covering the NBA. Then he became this prominent sports analyst, the yeah. sports uh, reporter uh, for ESPN. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's does great when he talks, people listen. Yeah. So obviously yeah. he's doing something <laughs> That's right. True. That's when, true. when he talks, people are listening to every word he has to say. That is true. Um, but I will elaborate what he uh, spoke about. So he talked about an instance of him, him getting pulled over with his daughter. And I think she was eight at the time. But without going into details about that, um, before he brought up that story, he talked about the shooter who shot the, um, the black people in South Carolina, I believe, who they were inside the church worshiping and he shot and killed nine people. There was information that I was not, you know, you know, aware of, I don't know if you were Josh, but apparently that guy, um, the shooter, when they tracked him down, obviously they know he had killed nine people when they tracked him down, he was not harmed. They actually stopped by McDonald's to get him food because he was hungry. It was Burger King. Oh, Burger King. My bad. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. when you hear, about <laughs> when you hear about that type of stuff, it's like, you knew this guy was dangerous. And there was no, you know, no story about him getting shot or anything. And he actually kind of went overboard with the service. And then you hear about people who are unarmed. I just know without being a police officer, without being in that moment, because I know with the tension, everything, I'm, I'm assuming cops come into the situation already kind of like, okay, this is an altercation. There's stuff going on in the world. 
they're kind of on high already. And then the black person is already afraid. So they're trying to not make the wrong move. And when you combine those two, I think it just leads to, you know, stuff that which we see in the, the Jacob Blake. For me, I just I want to hear from your standpoint, because I know we talked on the phone about an instance that I want to get into after. But just how does that make you feel? And do you think people overlook and they look for ways to compare? Well, com- cops shoot white people, too, or something like that. So, I mean, just, you know, talk about that for a little bit. Well, you know that. You know, I hear that argument a lot. And personally, that argument is just to negate, you know, unarmed black men or black women being shot. Um, You know, for example, there there was a protest. There was a protest in response to Jacob Blake shooting and a 17 year old kid with an assault rifle, which um, he shot and killed, you know, two people at the protest. He, Uh, He shot and killed two people. There's a video of him shooting and killing these people. And he was 100 feet from the cops and people were yelling out. He just shot those people. He just shot all those people down there. And the police didn't arrest him. The police didn't even acknowledge it. And he was running towards the police with his AR, uh, with his rifle strapped to him. And so that right there, he just committed a heinous act. Whether it was in self-defense or not, he just committed a heinous act. He, he took the lives of two people. And here we are just letting him walk freely towards the police. And I think that that is a lot of the issue with Jacob Blake shooting. He potentially had a knife on him in his vehicle that he was walking to. Mm-hmm. Whether he was going to grab that knife or not seems to, you know, we don't know. But he was, you know, he was unarmed when he was shot seven times in the back. But we we had somebody that had just killed yeah, a people. couple of people walking towards the cop. So that that was different. That's why it doesn't give uh, hope to minorities, yeah. to people that have been, you know, maybe in Jacob Blake's shoes before, but not shot. You know, I think uh, I've been profiled before. I'm sure you yeah. have. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever had any true encounters like that with police but um it's scary it really is because you know what if you weren't who you were yeah. and what if people here uh didn't know you it, some of your police stops could have ended differently yeah you know whether you're complying or not um you know there have been uh, black men just reaching for their wallet and got yeah. shot when they were asked to get their identification so yeah. uh it, it is scary it's yeah. scary um well, quickly, I'm not sure if I shared this on my podcast with Micah when we were talking about the George George Floyd issue because we were both sharing encounters that we've had. And there was a time, and at the time I did not, it was I think it was 2011, 2010 or 2011, I had just been drafted. I'm driving down to spring training in Florida, in Clearwater, Florida, and I'm going through Crisp County, Georgia. And I got pulled over, and it was like... um you know, I, I think I might have been over, I think it was a 60 and I think I was going 70 or something like that. And so I get pulled over and I'm not thinking anything of it. They, two cops, one approaches from this side, one approaches from that side. And they're like, Hey, can you get out of the vehicle? I'm like, okay. And I just get out, not thinking like, why? Just because I feel like maybe at that point I had been programmed to just think that, okay, you know, listen to the cops, whatever, you know? And 
not knowing that why are they searching my car? What is the point? They brought out a dog. All this stuff happened. And yes, I was in a nice vehicle. Um, windows weren't overly tinted or anything. So, but at my, at that time I was like whole, like I was just oblivious to the whole situation. I was just like, okay, yeah. The cops told me to get out of the car. I'll get out. And I go stand behind my car and you know, one cop's just watching me and, and the other one with the dog is going through my car. And, and after the fact I'm driving, I continue to drive. Like, like what just happened? <laughs> like, um, and that's just one of the, the encounters that I don't remember at the time, like thinking, Oh, this is wrong, you know, but now I think about it, like I was a 21 year old kid who's leaving college to go play professional baseball. And I just didn't understand what was happening at the time. And it's just, it's a crazy thing now that I think about it. But, um, a lot of, I have had other encounters where, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, we recognize who you are and keep it moving. Um, and it's it's sad and i do like oh thank god but <laughs> what happened but but it is a shame it is a shame that you know because you've built up a reputation i've built up a reputation that because people know me they're going to treat me or you differently but you know your son you know when your son yeah. grows up it might not be the same if true you know they don't know him and i fear that for my cousins my my own two younger brothers um it is scary but I've had the same thing where I've been pulled over and I've been questioned because I, you know, I've, I like nice vehicles. Yeah. And usually one of the first questions is, well, who's the, whose vehicle is this? Is this yours? And it's like, I've been with some of my family, you know, I am biracial. Yeah. I, I've been with, you know, my white mom or my white grandpa, and they've never been asked that when they've been pulled over. So why do you just assume that this vehicle isn't mine? Um, I guess that just, that has me think about the time I went to, to, to purchase that car in Clearwater, Florida. It was a, it was a Lexus GS. So it was a nice sporty car. Um, but it wasn't like some crazy car, you know, it was just nice. And, um, when I went to go purchase it, I, I came in, you know, like a, like a Jordan shirt, Jordan shorts and like, you know, some sneakers. And I walked around the car lot for, God knows how long me and one of my friends who was dressed similar, both black and just never, no one ever came up to us. They're not knowing that I just got a signing bonus and I'm trying to buy a car that day (laughs) (laughs) in cash. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But they just were, you know, and finally we left and then we came back the next day or maybe later that night. And finally someone came up to us. It was a black guy, (laughs) a black salesman for (laughs) the And he said, hey, I've seen you guys here earlier. Have you guys been helped? I'm like, no. And we're trying to get a car. Like, I'm sitting here looking at the same car. I'm not just skimming around the whole lot. So he finally is like, all right, well, let's let's get down to business. I end up buying the car, like, and completing it, like, an hour later. So those guys would have had a sale, but, you know. Yeah, but there's it, a thin line between happens. profiling, selling, or selling, because I do that. I, you know, I prejudge. I look at a building, and I'm like. I don't know if I'll, if they're buying anything, <laughs> but that's different. Looking at a building and looking at a human. I guess. Yes. Lo- lo- looking at a human is, is totally different. Yeah. Totally different. Um, okay. So even though I love the NBA, I'm, I'm really on the side of, of them right now. So, I mean, do you, are you, were you looking forward to LeBron getting a championship or you, you think it's very important and I'm sure you do, but it's, do you see it continuing? It, well, they actually, um, you know, on my way here, I got an alert that 
they they did vote to continue the season. Okay. So so the season is going to continue, which is great. Yeah. But you know, yesterday they made a stand. Yeah. They, they did take a stand, and you know, it, there are reports that LeBron walked out of the late night meeting yesterday mm. because you know the Lakers and Clippers they didn't want to continue the season. Gotcha. And we're talking about athletes that have the, you know, the Lakers or the Clippers, they could easily win the championship this year. Yeah. But here they are risking not even winning a championship to shine a light on some of the racial injustices going on right now. So what's going on is bigger than sports. You know, they they could they couldn't care any less about their paychecks. You know, LeBron, he couldn't he could retire right now and never play a game of basketball in his life. He'll be okay. Yeah. So it's one of those things where they they really don't care about the money. Yeah. It's about showing support for Jacob Blake's family, for Breonna Taylor's family, um, yeah. you know, George Floyd as well. Yeah. I mean, it's important. I mean, those people who do have economic status, who still may experience the same, you know, I guess, profiling and, 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 and they treatment. Do. And yeah. they do. So, and, but they realize it's, it's up to them, you know, cause some people who might not have the resources like they do, aren't able to make a stand or make a change um, as big as they can. So it's good to see them do that. Um, but yeah, so I guess I did kind of, you know, hop off the horse of let's talk about Jordan Miller, but I'm it sorry. was good. I, it was good. I, I, I jumped that gun <laughs> to my bad. It's all good. Um, but where we were talking about, you know, why you chose to be a sports reporter um, and stuff like that. So um, we did talk about you being in Carrollton, getting your dream job super young, which is crazy and amazing. Um, but then what kind of what, what was your path after, you know, getting that job at 19? Um, so, you know, I was 19 when I got that sports editor job and I worked there for I want to say two years, two full, at, you know, academic school years of sports and. TV station WTOV9 there in Steubenville. Uh, I had known some of their sports people. And I wanted a shadow. I wanted a shadow down there because I didn't know if I wanted to do TV. And that shadowing opportunity turned into me getting a call from their news director. It's like, hey, we have a job opening down here for a videographer. Are you interested? I'm like, um, yeah. <laughs> I, and at that time, I was only 20. I was so young, I couldn't even drive a news car because I had to be uh, 21 to drive a news car. So my reporters, they were driving me around when I was 20. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I was you know a month or two away from turning 21. Um, but that, you know, I loved it there. Um, once I got into doing news, I knew that, you know, I wanted to do news over sports. Nice. Um, and I never, I never thought that. And I went from there and, you know, the rest is history. Okay. So when you say news over sports, when you went from WTOV nine, cause that's like you said, that's mainly sports, right? Or um, no, no, they do news too. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. They, they do a lot of news okay. as well. Um, and then how did that land you in Cleveland? Um, I was, all right. So my birthday, my 22nd birthday, I was up in Cleveland um, for a Cavs playoff game. LeBron's last year, um, it was game three against Toronto and he hit a fadeaway jumper. And I was there on a Saturday. Well, Sunday, I get a random phone call up from Cleveland from a station up there, um, you know, and they had seen my resume, my reel, and they were just interested in you know bringing me in. And so that was the day after my 22nd birthday. 
and uh, they called me in and I worked there for a year and a half and I loved it there. I met great people. I had great mentors. Um, and that's, you know, kind of where I started to build up a platform there. Okay. Um, and I would still be in TV. I truthfully think I would still be in TV. Hadn't I been in a motorcycle accident, you know, about it. Uh, Well, almost two years into working there. Okay. So two years in, you're around 24. You had the, a motorcycle accident. Now, obviously, physically, there were some some damages done, yeah. but I mean, it took me about four months to recover, okay. and then you know, right there at the end of it, you know, there was just no going back into TV at that point, uh, just because I wasn't completely recovered. You know, I was left with the TBI, back injuries, um, so it, it was a lot. It would have been a lot for me to carry around cameras to yeah. go from story to story, being a vehicle for hours, so. I mean, it was best that I just stepped away then. Gotcha. And uh, once you had the accident, that's when you went back to, you know, the family and stuff in mm-hmm. uh, in Carrollton? Yeah. Okay. Now, um, where, just, I, can't, I I don't think we covered it, because I know you didn't graduate from Carrollton. You graduated from Union Local, or United Local. United Local. Okay. So, yep. Um, Sorry. United, <laughs> United Local Eagles. So, Sorry. Uh, I graduated in 2014 from there. Okay. Okay. Thanks. You're young, man. Uh, oh, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so one question I have for you. So in all your years of school, um, um, and I guess a lot at WTOV at Cleveland, was there any, you know, leaders, you know, that were, you know, minority leaders? Did you have any, you know, Latin or black teachers or coaches? I, n- I never had a black coach or a black teacher never wow okay um and you know my fiance she is a teacher so that was just something that we were talking about the other day she's teaching younger kids i said have you ever had a black teacher and she said no not in elementary middle school college or high school and she never had had um, a black person of influence in her life uh you know that would educate them other than, you know, entertainers. Yeah, her family. Well, entertainers <laughs> and her family. <laughs> yeah. So w- what I would like to share is I had um, what she called herself is a petite powerhouse. Now, she was my college professor for project management. And uh, she called me Uncle Percy. But she has been the only to this day. I'm probably getting this wrong. But as far as I know, she has been the only um, minority or black teacher or professor that I've had. Um, I've had being uh, exposed to professional baseball though. Uh, we have, you know, Latin coaches and, um, to have a black coach. I don't think I have. Um, and we were, our conversation was more about, you know, obviously this gives us and other minorities confidence that they can be in these leadership, uh, positions, uh, but when you grow up without one, it kind of just, it, you're not knowingly thinking about it when you're younger, but as we grow older, then we start to realize like, huh, you know, um, obviously our ambitions take over. You've been able to, uh, be successful. Uh, but it's just for the average, you know, kid, it, I just think it's really important to be able to have some kind of rep- representation, uh, in that platform, in those roles to make an impact and, uh, um, I mean, I know you agree with that. Oh, and, and your wife, your wife, you know, kind of starting that 
trend yeah. say don't uh, don't uh, jump the gun <laughs> do not jump the gun don't jump the gun Is she don't hear this uh, she might she might and i would tell her the same thing <laughs> that's awesome now did you meet her in high school no so i just graduated high school from united and she was going into her junior year at uh, Carrollton. Okay. Uh, but her and my l- little sister, they cheered together. And okay. She she spotted me before I spotted her. <laughs> so. <laughs> I love it. So, um, is she going to be teaching at Carrollton? Minerva. Oh, Minerva. Minerva. So, and, you know, Minerva is a great community. You know, I, I've grown to love Minerva, um, you know, these last few years especially. But she did her student teaching there. She's a Mount Union graduate. Okay. She did her student teaching at Minerva, and she loved everything about Minerva. Okay. So uh, they just officially hired her two weeks ago, maybe. Nice. And, you know, we had got our house based on hopefully her getting a job at Minerva. So Uh-oh. it all worked out. <laughs> it all worked out once she uh, once they officially gave her that phone call. Nice. Uh, I, I did some work in Minerva, and it, it's to me, it just it reminds me of, you know, basically home. So yeah. it's very similar. Um. But yeah, so I kind of want to get into your, your social media presence. So, you you know, you got way more followers than I do. So I'm curious. <laughs> um, but what made you, you said in 20, 2018, you yeah. made like the, the, obviously you probably had a Facebook, your personal Facebook before that. I did have a personal Facebook. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, it was a personal Facebook, but I would post my news right to that personal Facebook. Okay. So that became overwhelming because there's some people that followed that Facebook just for family pictures and stuff. Gotcha. So I decided one day I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to just create, go out on a limb, create a, a news Facebook page for myself. I created that the first night it had 600 page likes Dang. that night. And, you know, of course, a lot of them were followers of my personal page yeah. and whatnot. It's blown up since then. Just um, a little bit. Just a little bit. You know, we're <laughs> about to hit 26,000 follows on the page. Okay. Um, and yeah. I know we were talking like, what does that really mean on Facebook? But I would yeah. say 26 thousand followers on facebook is the same as twenty six thousand on twitter it Instagram. Is. So. it is it is um but you got you have around the same amount of likes so a lot of people uh are interested in and in what jordan miller has to say yes <laughs> um you know whether they like it or not and I, I do strictly keep it news related i you know i throw some family stuff in there as well um but i you know i have a platform and Yes, I do talk about police brutality a lot, but I have a lot of police officer friends. You know, I was texting one this morning and I was speaking on the phone with the employee at the U.S. Marshals this on my drive here. Okay, so I have nothing at all against uh, the police. But, you know, my followers, if I do a story that, um, you know, maybe doesn't shine in the best light on police or anyone, they just assume automatically that you're grouping them all in. Yeah, that I am grouping them all in, and it's not not like that at all. You're just reporting what happened, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> and then, you know, the viewer, the reader, they take their own information from that. And, you know, whether they um, agree with the facts or not, at the end of the day, they're still facts. Oh, I like it. I like it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome, man. I've, I've always kind of wondered the process of you know someone who's involved in news and and reporting and you would say 
your strong point is is the writing part or if you still could be in front of a camera do you think that would be ideal obviously with the motorcycle accident it doesn't you know it's not really beneficial i mean it would be and that's the nice part about uh, doing the social media thing is you know if i want to hop on a facebook live i can nice um you know if i want to set up a tripod and do a live or put together a little story. I, I, I can still do okay, that. Nice. Uh, so, so that part is nice, but, uh, social media, the, the news is just ever changing. Um, you know how it was done 15 years ago, is totally different than how it is done now. Yeah. Um, so it, it's nice to be able to just put it out right there. It's all factual. It's all accurate information that people can just gather right there and they can share. And then I, I usually like to provide the follow-ups to go with it. Nice. So uh, what's your favorite type of, I guess, way to get it out there? Do you love going Facebook Live or do you ever record stuff and then post it? I do love going Facebook Live, but only when it permits it. Okay. You know, if, if I'm sitting at home and I'm gathering news there, rarely will I ever go Facebook Live. But if I'm, I'm, if I'm out at a scene, out of a story, then uh, that obviously does uh, permit that live presence, that showing what's happening in the here and now. Nice. Um, but what I like to do is I like to gather my info. I like to... COVID has really taught me that Zoom is a beneficial tool because you can just record right there. So I'll set up my computer. I'll do um, a Zoom call with someone, record it, and you know do the little editing right then and there and put it out on my page. And that is uh, really beneficial. People love that. I see people have gravitated towards that nice. too. Nice. That's good. I mean, we sort of do something like that. I don't know what Magic Josh does behind the scenes, but <laughs> but we we uh, you know I just expanded into the virtual space. Now I love you coming in. We obviously probably prefer this just because there's less variables. <laughs> yeah. um, as we spoke earlier when this interview started, but um, you know being able to have that feature, and I love that Josh started. I think I don't know who you started it with. Was it the Big Brother Big Sister podcast? Was that the first time? Um, so I'm glad he was able to you know, to get that. Cause there was a lot of guests I wanted to have on, you know, that are in California and a lot of my, my teammates and hopefully we can get some or ex teammates. I don't play anymore. Um, <laughs> we can get some, uh, some other, uh, some other, you know, teammates of mine that are out of state on. So zoom is good, even though I think it's having a little issue right now, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. Microsoft teams is trying to step in and, uh, be that, that go to, uh, but I mean, that's part of COVID. It is zoom and all of them. They wouldn't have had all this, you know, all these customers, I guess, if oh, it yeah. wasn't for COVID. So good for them. Uh, I did want to, I guess, talk about like the future, what you think the future looks like for you, for Jordan Miller, not the Philly quarterback, but the, the, <laughs> the news report, every time I say a name, it's just nightmares in my head of him throwing a touchdown. Um, <laughs> but, uh, just Jordan Miller, like what is your goals and what do you see happening? I guess for the seeable future, you know, I want to continue to put out the accurate information, whether it's, uh, you know, officer involved shootings, which they're unfortunate, but they still need to be reported on. And, um, so I, you know, I want to be able to continue to grow my page and report on the things that need to be reported on, whether, um, you know, it is unfortunate fatal shootings but as well as the lift me up stories as well um you know i would like to get back into tv someday um but you know what i'm doing on social media as well as um you know with some local papers and affiliates um that right now is you know beneficial as well 
Good. Um, but I would like to be one of those people that does make a difference. You know, journalism wise, it, it does make a difference and makes people want to, uh, you know, trust journalism again, because a lot of people don't. And in a way, I can understand where some people are coming from. Um, I'm not going to go out and say that that all journalism is factual, because yeah. if if you're um, if you're looking for an answer one way, you can watch one or the other kind of news sources and get whatever uh, answer you want in the way that you want it. So uh, I want to kind of be that voice of reason that people can maybe relate to a little bit more on a professional, but more importantly, a personal level, um, because people, you know, I am very open. You know, I've talked about, um, you know, my accidents. I've talked about my family, you know, some of the dark times in my family's lives. And I think people can actually relate to that. Yeah. And I know you said that even on the phone, you know, um, but I still. I hesitate a little bit getting in and I'll get into whatever happened to me. I don't really care sharing that. And I know you were open, but there were some things that I was just like, I don't, I don't, I don't know too much about in your, you know, your passing growing up. I know you went through some things, but um, if there's anything you want to share, you're, you're okay too. like, but if there's not, that's fine as well. Um, but if there was anything while we were talking that just popped in your head, yeah. you're like, Ooh, I kind of want to share that. Um, You know, one thing, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people think that, a lot of people who don't know me, who who just follow me and don't follow me for any personal reasons or whatever, uh, they just think that I did have a, a perfect upbringing. And that by far is not <laughs> the truth. Um, you know, my mom had me at 16. Um, so my, my mom's my best friend. And, you know, right now she's in the medical field and she's actually over in the Virgin Islands working. Wow. as a nurse and so is her twin sister she's down in georgia working on the COVID, on covid units um i think part of the reason that my mom is so close was you know she did go through you know domestic violence uh for 12 years you know she was young and i was not a fan of who she lived with mm-hmm. um who she was dating and you know so we saw some stuff that you know my siblings and i know kids should ever see and me being the oldest, I didn't want to be around it. So thankfully, my mom allowed me to go live with her parents in D.C. So that's how I got to oh, D.C. Okay. originally. Um, and then my grandparents, they really had a big vital role into keeping me on the right path. And um, so, you know, seeing what my mom went through made me know that I'm never I'm never going to put my hands on a woman. I'm never going to, I mean, violence is never the answer, no matter uh, the gender, Yeah, but I'm never going to put my hands on a woman. And uh, you know, seeing my mom go through that stuff and, and now my mom's a totally different person than she was 10 years ago, but it was a big learning curve for her. Um, so, you know, that's just one of those things, domestic violence. Now I'm going to make sure that I keep that, uh, when I hope, hopefully I do have a daughter, I'm going to have that conversation with her too. You know, I don't want her to feel alone. I don't want her to feel um, as if she doesn't have anyone in her corner and that she needs to hide uh, anything that's going on. Yeah. Uh, so, it sounds like we got a lot in common. Yeah, I mean, not, not to get too personal or too yeah. dark, but um, yeah. you know, my mom, I love her. I, I love my whole family. My grandparents, they, you know, they raised me, but you know, my mom, she definitely, even though it was a terrible thing to go through, it made her into who she is today that's i never thought my mom would get remarried 
she got remarried and I love my stepdad and he's nice. been around what, five years now. And, uh, she went from a guy like her ex who, you know, abused women to a pastor. So, you know, who, who would ever a little thought? bit of a turnaround, a little bit of a turnaround. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I, you know, I love my stepdad and I love, you know, I love that he treats my mom the way that she should be treated. Yeah. You know, because it went, my dad treated her great. And then, you know, so-and-so, and then, you know, my stepdad, he's really stepped up. Yeah. Yeah. I had similar, uh, similar experience. And, um, the thing you should probably show your daughter is the movie enough by Jennifer Lopez. Well, I, have to, <laughs> I have to look it up. I don't think I've seen it. It's I don't old. Think it's I, old. I want to say 2002. I was six. <laughs> I was six. I wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely a good movie and it's about domestic violence right. and, uh, it, I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying your daughter should take the path J Lo did, no. but um, it's it's a great movie. It's a great movie. Okay, uh, but yeah, I hope to have the you know a conversation with my daughter too, just to be, hey, you're beautiful. You don't deserve any terrible treatment, you know. And hopefully, the biggest thing you can do is to show her how a man treats a woman, you know, by treating your wife the right way. And I try, you know, I'm gonna have Krista on here and my wife. Uh, one of these days, and uh, I guess she'll get to share you guys how I, how I really treat her. <laughs> but um, but no, I mean, uh, I mean, I appreciate you coming on the show. If the, I, if there's anything else to share, you want to talk about, we can. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I feel like what you shared already has been great, and it's going to you know inspire and help people. And I, I look forward to following your page now. I'm about to be one of the followers and the oh, likers man. on there. So I'm going to see what you got going on over there. So um, I'm very interested. And, in, uh, you know, just because, you know, especially if you got any uh, videography skills, because, you know, I'm starting to get in that, mm-hmm. that boat a little I, bit. <laughs> I have a couple. I might have to hire you Uh-oh. as a freelance for oh, a little snap. bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, but I appreciate you having me. And, um, you know, I just want to make a comment that uh, – you know, our police are under a lot of scrutiny, um, you know, whether they're good or bad. You know, they are under a lot of scrutiny, but a majority of them are great officers. I don't think anyone should take that away from the good officers. You shouldn't let the bad police officers make the good ones look bad as well as you. You know, a couple of things that maybe some black people do shouldn't stereotype all of us. Yep. But it does. And that's just the world we live in. And. Uh, you know, today, uh, the U.S. Marshals in here in Ohio, they actually announced that, uh, you know, they recovered 25 children uh, that were, you know, part of maybe human trafficking, endangered, whatnot. And, you know, I think that that's just a great thing that they did. And, you know, without our police, we wouldn't have that. Yes. We, we wouldn't have them cracking down on uh, these things to keep our children safe. So I do um, you know, really appreciate them, you know, for, for things like that. You know, I want to be able to call the police yeah. if something's going on at my house or if I'm in danger. But I want to make sure if I'm the one calling the police that I'm not the one dying at the end of the phone call. Yeah, true. Um, powerful words, man. And, and I agree. And I think you, we have a, you have a podcast that's going to talk about human trafficking and stuff like that. So it's good to hear good news about it. Cause it's literally the last few years, it's all been bad. So, and that's good that uh, they've uh, uncovered. And there was actually a guy I came up playing with the minor leagues against a pitcher for the tigers. Um, I can't remember his first name. 
I want to say his name is uh, as Boyd, though. He's a left-handed pitcher. Him and his wife were, you know, they have a foundation that's about rescuing, you know, these people that are in human trafficking and, and more importantly, I think the women and just helping them get back, you know, from that. Because obviously that, you know, everybody thinks about the physical damage that it does, but more of that is, you know, what's going on up here and how that kind of just messes with your psyche from then on. So um, I do, I do like to congratulate him for doing that. You, you notice when, um, you know, that picture right there uses his platform, you know, for sex trafficking for, you know, maybe, um, you know, children that go missing, whatnot. Nobody says anything. Nobody says, Oh, well we, we have to keep, you know, that out of our sports. But then when it's race related, because that is, those are awkward conversations. Yeah. And uh, so that is why sports, they really move the needle. They do. They do. Whether you like it or not, they're awkward conversations. And, you know, thankfully, I'm surrounded by people who I can have these awkward conversations with. And, you know, there are people I say things they don't want to hear. They say things I don't want to hear. And we have these conversations. But at the end of the day, we're both better people because we are all on the same page. So I, I just think that that's a tip that that's everyone well. <laughs> everyone should know is or everyone should take is don't be afraid to have these conversations, have them with people who who really need to hear them. Um, if they feel uncomfortable, that's whatever. If they stop being your friend or they don't talk to you, at least now, you know yeah. how they really feel. Yeah, because if, if you hide behind a mask, you know, no pun intended for 2020 or anything, <laughs> but uh, if you do hide behind it and you don't say anything, you'll never know how some people really feel until they slip up saying it. Yeah. We talked about and that. We yeah. did <laughs> until they slip up saying it, whether on live television or in a car with you at a party or in a social media post. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I forgot about that. I wanted to mention that, but um I'm pretty sure everybody's aware, <laughs> but, um, but no, nah, man, uh, again, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts and I am looking forward to following your page now. And, uh, you know, maybe, you know, you get a podcast of your own. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I won't, I won't have a setup like this though. This is pretty, this is pretty impressive. So, well, I don't own it. So, I mean, you could use it if you want it, <laughs> but, uh, no, Jordan Miller, everybody, um, uh, episode will be live Tuesdays. Um, what else? <laughs> All right, we're going to the outro. This is my outro where I talk about how bad my outro is. We're just going to keep that going. But no, I do appreciate everybody listening on all platforms, no matter what. If it's YouTube, no matter what it is, we appreciate every listener. Um, all the feedback we get, uh, it's it's fun. I get to learn. If this podcast didn't exist, I probably would have never met or known anything about Jordan on a personal level. So that's kind of why I started this podcast secretly, you know, so <laughs> it's not really the cats out of the bag. I say it every end of podcast. So, uh, but hopefully have a drive, uh, safe drive home. And, uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to, you know, hearing what you got to say next. And, uh, hopefully we figure out a solution to this craziness right well, now. Hopefully we do, you know, yeah. 2020. So hopefully to everything. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we appreciate everything. And uh, we'll see you, I guess, the next episode. Peace.